Our Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your goodness, and we thank you for this Father's Day. Would your anointing, your anointing be upon me as I bring the word of God. We pray that hearts will be challenged, lives will be changed, that we will walk in righteousness and holiness. We do give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to skip down to verses 19 through 21. I'm going to take a little different trek today. And so as we read this passage, you are, you're normally used to hearing the story in 1 Samuel regarding Samuel and his mom. But today I'm going to take a different tact and speak regarding his father. Of course, I'll speak about Hannah briefly as well, but I want to just look at a different aspect. And then I want to take you to a passage in the book of Numbers. But this is how it reads in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. There was a certain man of Ramathame, Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was, some say Elkanah, some say Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. Big trouble. Remember, living back in the time, even though this was not God's design, this is the case. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? They rose early in the morning. Verse 19. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Go with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 30. I'm going to read verses 10 through 15. Numbers, chapter 30, beginning in verse 10. And if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by a pledge with an oath, and her husband heard of it and said nothing to her and did not oppose her, then all her vows shall stand. And every pledge by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband makes them null and void on the day that he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning her pledge of herself shall not stand. Her husband has made them void, and the Lord will forgive her. Any vow and any binding oath to afflict herself, her husband may establish Or her husband may make void. But if her husband says nothing to her from day to day, then 
he establishes all her vows or all her pledges that are upon her. He has established them because he said nothing to her on the day that he heard of them. But if he makes them null and void after he has heard of them, then he shall bear her iniquity. As the title of this for this message today, I have given a father's decision produces a righteous man. A father's decision produces a righteous man. The story of Samuel, story of Samuel's birth and the events surrounding his birth are one of the most fascinating stories in all of the Old Testament. We must remember that the Israelites lived during the times of a patriarchal society. If Elkanah, and I may at times say Elkanah, did not go along with the vow of his wife, Samuel's life may have been quite different. Elkanah, a godly man, the father of Samuel, honored the vow that his wife Hannah made in allowing Samuel to be dedicated to the service of the Lord throughout his entire life. Point number one, and I'll only be dealing with one point, a commitment to serve God, a commitment to serve God. The story of Elkanah, Elkanah, the story of Hannah, the story of Peninnah, the story of Eli, Hophni, Phinehas. It begins the time frame of Samuel being the first judge in the last, the priest I believe it is. And when we think about Samuel, we must keep in mind that God gave Samuel to Hannah because she prayed for him. It was a very troubling matter for women not to have children. And Elkanah's wife, Peninnah, who had children, would tease Hannah because of her barrenness. And this would so upset Hannah. Every year, the males would go to Shiloh to offer sacrifices to the Almighty God and to spend time there in service. The Ark of the Covenant was in Shiloh at this time. And so they would go there to minister. And we find that Elkanah would make this pilgrimage every year with his family. On this particular occasion during one of the meals, Peninnah made Hannah so upset by teasing her that Hannah, in the portion that we didn't read, went to the temple. And in her distress, she poured her heart out to the Almighty God. Eli, who was the priest at the time, sitting there, saw Hannah saying words with her mouth, but he heard nothing coming from her and thought that she had been drinking. And he approached her and said, how long will you keep drinking? Put your drink away from you. But she says, oh, no, Eli. Oh, no, priest. This is not the case. I am crying out to the Lord because my soul is in anguish. And Eli said to her, may the Lord then grant you your request. The Bible says that after she had prayed, she was refreshed in her spirit and then went and got something to eat. And then the Bible said that in the course of time, that Elkanah knew his wife. And the Old Testament knew had special meaning. 
And she conceived and had a child, and they named this child Samuel. Elkanah, as the husband, would have to agree with the vow that Hannah had made to the Lord. Do you not know there are times in our distress that we will make a promise to God that if he does something, that we will follow up and do something special for him? Have you ever done that? Have you ever made a promise to God if he would do something special for you? And here the Lord holds up his deal and you let your go. So, well, Lord, you know, thank you, but that's a little bit too hard for me to do. <laughs> You've got to see and understand that the Lord said it really would be better not to vow than to vow and not keep it. He just says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. But, but vows were taken very, very, very seriously by the Lord. In Hannah making this vow and wanting to have a child, she says, Lord, I will dedicate this child to you all the days of his life. If you give me this child, I will give him back to you. The beginnings of how God came to use men and women in the Bible are often filled with sabotage and great intrigue. Jealousy and fighting plague the lives of the men and women, yet God in his sovereignty still unveils his plan to a world and to a people who are imperfect. Through the dealings and the cunnings of people, God still weaves his plan through history and accomplishes his goal. Hannah did not make this promise in a conniving way, but she did it because she was grief-stricken and wanted a child. Yes, she wanted her emesis. She wanted her nemesis, rather. She wanted this, this other person named Penina to leave her alone. And she blamed her husband <laughs> for her not being able to have a child. It was Elkanah who would go up year after year to offer prayers. And during this particular time, things were so grievous, and he saw that Hannah was in distress. And he probably was not quite not, not knowing how to console her, says, Hannah, am I not better to you than ten sons? But there was something that Hannah wanted. She wanted a child. But get this, in our reading in the book of Numbers, we come to find that if a vow was made by a two things, a young lady who was still living at home with her father, that if she vowed and the father says, oh, no, 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 that can't take place, the Lord said that she was not obligated to keep that vow. The same principle held true even when a couple was married. But... If a husband heard the vow and said nothing, day after day, the Lord says, the vow that she made, made stands. Elkanah in his role did not say, I'm not giving up a child if we have a child. To, no, 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 no. But he agreed with his wife and says, whatever is in your heart to do, go right ahead and do it. And that's something when the father agrees and says, I will support that decision, even, it, even though it would be a 
painful decision. Why? Because he really wanted a child. But the father says, I am willing to let it be. Cana was a praying man. He was a man committed to try to do that which was right. Even in our great flaws, God can override our decisions. You better be glad sometimes that God overrides your decisions. Because there are some things that you cannot see and that I cannot see that we would run right into. And God oftentimes will thwart our plans because we can't see down the road. And oftentimes when we come to see the problems, we say, thank you, God, that that didn't happen. Let me just tell you just briefly as I digress for a moment. You know, I like to digress. I had to go to the city on last Friday. I have a little black eclipse, and I'm needing to get another vehicle, but I want to get the engine taken care of in this car because i got a lot of miles on it, even though it's, you know, not old, old, but it's it's older. But I like the body style, and I want to keep it. So I've been talking to the Mitsubishi dealership, and so I took it over to Friday. Now, I had some appointments on Friday in the morning, and I had to get there, get an Uber back. I left my van here so I can take that and drive to the appointment. I get to the city. They take down the information, and I get a call. I get a call from the father that I'm supposed to go see regarding his son, and he is upset because his son is not cooperating. Lo and behold, I didn't know that God was already orchestrating things. So I hung up the phone and said, we'll just cancel that appointment today. I call Uber. Give them the address of where I'm at. We're texting. He says, I'm here. I says, I'm standing right here too. He says, I don't see you. I'm standing right here in front of the dealership. Where are you? The next thing I know, my app goes blank and the person leaves. I call. I, I text in again enough for another ride. Another Uber person comes. I tell them this time I'm wearing black pants, black tennis shoe with a blue jacket. So okay. I get in the car. He says, where are you going? I'm going to 639 Drake Avenue, Marin City. Oh, oh no, no, I can't go that far. I got to get out the car. I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. I text another Uber, give him the same description. I get in this car. He takes off. Where are you going? I'm going to 639 Drake Avenue. Oh, no, no, no. He takes me two blocks, and I got to get out the car. I said, what's going on here? Here I am now standing on the corner where I don't know. I'm thinking, am I, am I in a safe place? Am I going to have to use some karate out here or somebody if they come at me? <laughs> so here I stand, looking around, saying, Lord, now, you're orchestrating something here. Okay, you already knew about the appointment, because I'm that by now. I'd be late. There's no way I would make it. I text for another Uber. And this time, I'm looking very carefully. Address everything. Everything. Put the information in. Person shows up. Now, I'm thinking my mind says, hey, God, there's a reason why. Those other rides didn't work. I get in the car. Person's, you know, tells me, knows where I'm going. He says, I don't normally work in the city. I normally work down in, by Menlo Park. That's where I'm from. But I happen to be in this 
working in the city today. Well, you know I'm going to cross the Golden Gate Bridge, right? <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I know. Traffic was bad coming back. Didn't com- he didn't complain one time. Came and dropped me off right there on Friday. I still don't know fully why, why the Lord had me just go with him. But the Lord was working something. He was overriding everything that I had planned. I'm thinking, Lord, what are you keeping me from? What's the reason? I have no full idea. All I know is that God was orchestrating something. But the times when I was in the car, I said, are you kidding me? What do you mean I got to get out? I got the address right here. <laughs> but I had to back off and say, God, you have orchestrated something. And there's a reason why you've delayed me going and getting here at the time that I needed to. And so we have a situation where we got to look at life and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but your timing is perfect. And that's what's happening with Hannah and Samuel and his father at Cana. The Lord's timing is perfect. And when it looks like everything is falling apart, God is working things out for his glory and you're good. In Hannah's prayer to God, she made a vow to God. And there are some things that she said that she would not do regarding this child. She prayed what was known in regards to her son and how she would treat him, I should say, as a Nazarite. A Nazarite vow. She said that she would not have him drink or she would not drink any strong drink which one of the things that a person who was a Nazarite, meaning that they had, were under God's provisions, um, it was a person that God was going to use, and there were certain things that they could not do. One was have strong drink. And oftentimes these time periods were very lim- were, 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 they were limited. But she pledged and gave this child to the Lord forever. Now, that was uncommon. A Nazarite vow would normally last just a certain amount of time. The second thing... They could not have any contact with the dead. If you had a Nazarite vow, they could not come in contact with the dead because they were dedicated to the Lord and therefore they would be considered unclean. So if a person was coming, they would have to remove themselves. The third thing would be that they could not cut their hair during the time of the vow period. Now, in this situation, what would happen is that when the vow or the Nazarite vow was ended after 30 days, they would offer a sacrifice, and then they would cut their hair, and their hair would be offered as part of a sacrifice to the Lord. So she said that in regards to him, I'm going to give him to the Lord forever. Can you imagine wanting a child, and then you give that child to the service of the Lord forever? Get this. Elkanah had to agree with this. And trusted that his wife in her prayer heard from God. She became pregnant. And during the time when he would go, she stayed home until the child was weaned. Anywhere between the ages of three and five. And then she took this child to the temple and gave him into the service of the Lord. What would happen if fathers would dedicate their sons and their daughters to the Lord to be used For his glory. What would happen if fathers would pray for their children and dedicate them as a young child to the Lord? We've had baby dedications here. Not baby baptism, because that is not something that I believe in, baby baptism. Why? Because I believe that when a person is baptized, like a water baptism, that one has to understand what they're doing. 
But there is baby dedication where one prays over a child and offers that child back to the Lord. And there are times when there's been dedications where a godparent will take on the responsibility of a child if something was to happen to the parents. We've had those services right here. It's a brief time where the parents have prayed for the child. What would happen if fathers would pray and dedicate their children to the Lord and say, we're going to go to church. We're going to honor the Lord in our life. I tell you this, I believe the world would be in a much different place. I believe that revival would break out if fathers would take on the responsibility of praying for their children and says, we're going to serve God and I'm going to dedicate you back to the Almighty. It's interesting that Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are mentioned in the scriptures. And I hadn't really thought about it in this way, but it is possible that they were mentioned, and Eli is mentioned, the priest, because Eli's sons were evil. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were evil, and God judged them. And Elkanah being mentioned, it would be a contrast to maybe Eli, and Samuel being mentioned would be a contrast to Hophni and Phinehas who were evil, and Samuel who grew to be a great prophet. Samuel is the one who anointed the first two kings of Israel, King Saul and King David. David is the greatest king in the Old Testament, even with all his flaws, flaws to ever reign. The Lord Jesus Christ comes through the line of King David, Samuel, was the one who prayed and anointed King David. What would happen if fathers prayed for their children to be used by God? What might God do? The Lord is in the habit of blowing our minds. What would happen if fathers prayed for their daughters to find men who would love God, who would honor the Lord and serve the king? See, a father's decision And what Elkanah did produced a righteous man. As I close, in the book of Numbers that we read, we read that the woman vowed that the husband could validate it by either saying, I agree, or if he didn't say anything, he was saying, I agree as well. But it was an act of covering. It wasn't an act of being put down, but it was an act of covering. This was a system. And we find a man who was not threatened by the prayer, but who said, whatever your heart, Hannah, decides to do, do it. On this Father's Day, we have a world today where fathers have been, I'll watch my words, they have, their their manhood has been challenged. (laughs) Everything goes, and everybody that says, you don't need a man, that's not what God says. (laughs) We need men in this world who will step up and honor the king of glory. Who will honor the savior. To this day. Oh, I I made some mistakes growing up and, you know, and and my my kids, thank God that we have kids and parents that we can forgive one another. Got the wrong kid sometime and, oh, Lord. (laughs) But get this. To this day, my kids know who to call when they need certain information or guidance. They will call me for certain things, and they'll call their mom for certain things. They know the areas where we compliment 
just recently got a call from my son because of something that he was praying for, needed some counsel on or some advice. That's remarkable when you can have a relationship if you have children. Because that's not always the case. If you have a daughter, work it out. Elkanah was a man who prayed. And I dare fathers today to become men. And if you don't have biological children, there are children who need fathers. Pray for them. Pray to the Lord will help them. Our Heavenly Father in this place today, we want to thank you for fathers and mothers. We thank you that you have given parents the responsibility of God blessing the family. We're those who may not have biological children, those who may have raised foster children, um, those who may have adopted, whatever the case may be, we thank you right now. We honor your name right now. Those who may have not even had a father in the home, we still honor you for God. You are the great father to us all. And we thank you that you have a personal relationship with us. We love you. We bless you. And we glory in your matchless and holy name. We thank you right now for what you are doing. And we're praying today that you will help fathers to take on the challenge to pray for their children. To put them before the almighty. No matter what the age. For mothers to pray for their children. No matter what the age. For guardians to pray for their children. No matter what the age. We love you. We give you glory. In Jesus name. Amen.